This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. All right, honky dory. We'll see if that's okay. Um, yeah, so media day was kind of odd uh, this season as opposed to last season. There was definitely a different energy about it. Um, not like a bunch of excitement, not a bunch of people talking about like, oh, I'm so much looking forward to this season. Obviously, it's different. Um, not coming off of a playoff appearance, an exciting series against the 76ers. This season, not only was it strange, or this past season, not only was it strange and how it kind of turned out, but also the journey through it. There was a lot of interesting reporting. There was a lot of um, people kind of having less than desirable interactions, uh, both within the players and within the coaching staff, both with the coaching staff in relation to players and other coaching staff. Like all this kind of stuff was. Uh, a team that it's no wonder the term culture gets thrown around all the time when people are talking about improving going into next year. Um, the Maasai stuff was, I think, for most people, the most interesting. Um, among that, I guess the highlights is that Darko seemed really excited to be able to put Scotty in a position to succeed. Uh, that Jakob, I think it was also really telling that he said, now... I didn't get to ask a question of Jakob. They didn't hand me the mic, so blah, blah, blah. It was tough getting the mic after I grilled Masai. I got <laughs> to be honest. Um, it's uh, Yak was talking about how the core principles of the offense had changed, and I would have loved to ask him you know, which those were. But he said that they were working, that he and Darko had talked about putting some high post action in and kind of working out of the using the five-man. Now, in the NBA, that looks a lot of different ways. The most common is because teams want to play five out with spacing, you run delay action, which is the center is the trailer. The guard gives it back to the center. You start running typically dribble handoff sets out of that, and you organize the floor how you will. It's kind of you know a starter play. There's split action stuff. If you watch the Warriors, basically anytime you see Draymond posted up, you know a high post, he's catching, and Steph and Clay are running these split actions off of each other because they have so much gravity as shooters. A lot of the time, people will overplay the top end and leave these slips to the bucket behind, and Draymond is a really great trigger man. The Raptors have had success running plays like that last season. Usually they were bad, or well, usually they didn't turn out that well because of the lack of shooting to kind of pressure that situation, the top end of it. But really interesting, it worked against Houston and Detroit especially. Like they had a, I'm thinking of a play where Jakob had the ball you know, at the top of the arc and they were running <laughs> 1980s playbook, correct? And they were running uh, split action with Scotty and Pascal and Pascal slips to the rim and like really great catch, really great finish. I think Killian Hayes was on him, which was an odd mismatch. But you see something like that happen. You say, oh, this could work. 
But when they play the teams that are a little bit more in tune with their defense, they're just not going to overplay to Scotty up top. Or if you invert them, they're not going to overplay to Pascal up top. And that kind of stuff just, it, it's not typically very successful. So I'm very interested to see what Jakob is, how he's being utilized, because it, it really will depend how these guys are being used. We saw by the numbers, Scotty's best play last season was as a pick and roll roller. And that makes sense because Scotty is extremely strong. He's a really great finisher and can pass super well on the move. So being especially a short roller makes a lot of sense. But also these are the same plays that you want Jakob to occupy. These are sometimes the same plays that you want Pascal to occupy. It is OG doesn't roll as much, but OG is a guy who if you get him and there's no tag and you get a two-on-one situation, you can get him a dunk in the pick and roll. And, you know, he typically slips or ghosts, but it's just like they have a lot of big guys who need to be utilized. Um, okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll just skip this since this is interactive. I have to get better at this. From Joshua B. Hey, Samson, I've heard you say a few times before that the solution to building a roster around Scotty isn't just to put shooters around him. What would an ideal roster around him look like? So this is where some people disagree with me. I have a piece coming out in two days. I've recently watched um, all of Scotty's possessions from last season. I just have to figure out how to write these pieces. It's a lot of film. It's a lot of numbers. It's a lot of breakdowns. But Scotty was not very successful running the pick and roll, which is a heavy usage play for guys who lead the offense, right? I think Scotty is best not as the lead guy, the same way that Pascal isn't best as the lead guy. You can make all NBA, you can be a max player and still not be a guy who drives the offense. But Scotty is so good at all of the in-between stuff. Uh, I really love when you can use him as a guy who the ball finds him on broken plays. A lot of people might remember that Kyle Lowry, when on these plays where the ball is moving around, he could always take that extra dribble and suddenly like a layup that he could pass a guy into would appear out of nowhere. Scotty is the same type of really patient, wonderful playmaker who can dissect defenses that are in motion, that are broken up. And so I want to see Scotty, not necessarily as the point guard, but I like to see Scotty as a two, as a three, whatever it needs to be, playing next to somebody who continuously bends the defense and breaks it. Because then if the ball reaches Scotty, there's a lob at the back door that other players don't make and don't see. There is, you know, a stampede cut for him to make. And he's like this huge burly guy driving towards the rim who's a very talented finisher. I want a team. And, you know, it's it's difficult because Pascal creates differently. Like Pascal was really efficient scoring against unders in the pick and roll. He was really efficient scoring against switches in the pick and roll. But and that's good, like he's doing his job, but that isn't like flowing offense. Whereas, you know, you come around the screen, you have a guy chasing you, you make the pass out because they tag and they come up like maybe they're pinching at the nail. The ball starts pinging around and there's like a bunch of different ways that this possession could go. The ball, if the ball ends up in Scotty's hands on those types of plays, really good things happen. When the defense is set, and a lot of times when you're attacking switches, the defense is set and loaded up, and you just have to beat a guy one-on-one. -on -one. It's good to be able to do that, especially late in games. Scotty certainly can. I know that's why people adore his late-game numbers and all that kind of stuff. But Pascal and Scotty currently can't get the offense into that type of ping-ping-ping flow. Fred, people obviously had problems with how he ran the offense 
he has a bunch of limitations, obviously. He didn't have the year he wanted to. He's gone. But he could get the Raptors into some of that ping, ping, ping stuff sometimes. That's why Scotty had, like, when Fred was on the floor, the offense was really good. When Scotty was on the floor, the offense was really good. When Pascal was on the floor, the offense was really good. It's just you need guys to kind of buoy it when those guys aren't there and playing cohesively. It'll be interesting to see what kind of lineups find success this year. So I'd, I'd like Scotty to be in a secondary role where he can, you know, bully mismatches that appear if guys try and load up on the the primary guy because Scotty really can do that. We saw him do it. It's his first playoff bucket ever, right? They load up on Pascal. He gets Tyrese Maxey on him all the way out in the corner. Not a great place to start a, an isolation from, but Scotty takes him all the way into the paint, drops steps, and is like, Embiid, are you going to step up? No. Punches at home. That's his first playoff basket ever. So being a guy who can work off of other players as like this rapid decision maker, um, stay tuned for the piece because there's a lot of this stuff is with film and, you know, write-ups and analysis on it. It'll be really, um, it'll be really uh, comprehensive, I think. But having a guy who creates like these big advantages for him to work around, uh, I think that's going to be really, really interesting. Um, am I optimistic that the 0.5 offense that Darko wants to run can work with the roster as it is right now? And which lineup do you think has the most potential to make it work? And then also, is selfishness just a nebulous term and an attempt to paper over the fundamental flaws with this roster and overall franchise? Um, and then, did we learn anything today about how Darko intends to use Pascal on the offense? The only specific thing I remember is saying he'll pass more out of doubles. Yeah, I'll start with that one first. It, it was odd. Pascal was not included in a, lot of, in a lot of the terminology. I think some of the, and you guys will love hearing this, but some of the media was a little bit caught up in asking about what do you do without Fred and like framing the com- the questions around Fred specifically instead of saying, Pascal is here now as your best player. How do you elevate him? Um, that that might have been a better way to go about things to get information that's useful going forward. Um, just a little quibble, obviously. But not much was mentioned. and. You know, he said Pascal has to pass out of doubles. Pascal passes out of doubles. He's one of the best in the league at doing it. He's really good at drawing doubles, one of the highest double frequencies in the league, and he's really good at playmaking out of them. The trouble is when the the Raptors last year couldn't draw doubles and the offense is really stale because drawing doubles was one of the ways that the Raptors could get motion out of the defense and then start making passes around. But if you can't draw a double and it's just ISO basketball, it's not fun for a lot of people. Um, am I optimistic about the 0.5 offense? I think 0.5 is good. It's a good tenant to have, but it is also like, it's a buzzword. You'll hear a lot of coaches say it. And do I think Darko can, you know, make that work with the roster as it is right now? I think that the roster is still going to have to lean a lot into transition. I think the roster is still going to have to lean to offensive rebounding and mismatch hunting. You look at the skill sets on the roster like, yes, it'll be cool to see what Darko draws up, how much quicker the ball moves. But still sometimes, if you're playing like Jakob, Pascal, OG, Scotty in the starting lineup, that means the advantage inherently is some guard cross-matched or some smaller wing cross-matched onto more than likely Scotty or Pascal. Pascal will probably draw the the harder, you know, check, so... How often can you put Scott in a position to like bully a small and then make a pass out when the defense shifts? Bullying a guy in isolation is not 0.5, but sometimes that's the advantage that's available on the floor. 
Like that's that's why sometimes the lip service doesn't really jive with the skill sets on the the roster. So we'll see. But I expect quicker passes to be made. I expect more of the wheat to be the wheat from the chaff or whatever to be cut away from some of these possessions where there's a little bit like in in a possession if there's a second of just hang time where nothing's really happening it feels like forever on an NBA court and the defense with a second completely get to reset into their shell um, 0.5 offense isn't going to be like ping 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 the ball is everywhere everyone's touching all the time it's probably more so we're more quickly going to identify when a set isn't working like this screen is dead reset it move cut through the paint all the way, get guys moving. Darko said, make the defense guard you at multiple points of attack and make them guard you in multiple efforts over the course of the possession. I think that stuff is tenable. But as far as like the Raptors' lack of spacing, as far as all that goes, I think that they're going to have trouble just making it like this beautiful offense just because you can draw anything up. You know, I, there are people probably watching and people who listen, they've coached. Coaches know you can draw anything up. The defense has to respond to what you're drawing up for it to work as intended. If you don't have shooting or if you don't have, you know, the ball handling skills to create the advantage you're looking for, the defense will just kind of like shrink to all the actions you're running. And then you're just a bunch of guys standing on the perimeter trying to do stuff. So we'll see how it works. Which lineup do you think has the most potential to make it work? I don't know. Once again, Dennis had, I guess, traffic problems and they have to go to training camp. So he didn't show up for media day. We didn't get to talk to him. But uh, we also, it wasn't me who asked, but somebody else asked about Dennis starting and they're waiting till after training camp, after preseason, I presume, to talk about that. So we'll see how that works out. But I would like to see the Scotty point guard. Like as much as I have qualms about Scotty creating advantages and all this kind of stuff, we're here. You keep talking about him being a point guard. Like, let's see it. We might as well see it. Everyone's like upset at Fred last year, like taking possessions away. And Pascal, you know, they're not offering him the extension. Scott is the future. Like, let's see it, man. You know, I'd love to see Scotty start at point guard. And, you know, maybe it doesn't work out that well offensively. Defensively, I think they'll have a really great lineup. But I I, I don't know if that's the lineup that makes it work the most. I don't know if the they'll have a transitional, you know, kind of like mixed bench lineup that they can put in more shooting with like Gary and Grady and Otto or something like that. Obviously, OG, if you're mentioning shooters, has to be involved. But all that kind of stuff is, um, it's very interesting. I guess we'll see what happens. I don't have a great guess about which, I guess, lineup makes the 0.5 stuff work the best. Um, it, it might be a bench lineup, honestly, because the starters are going to have a more obvious advantage, which is going to be their size. And you uh with quickness you want to work in space with size you got to have somebody to bully and you have to kind of dominate this the big the smaller spaces of the court the paint the raptors were really bad at getting paint touches last year i think they were 28th in the league they need to just ram themselves into that thing repeatedly so we'll see how all that kind of works out um any guesses for what might become a new pet play for this roster i'm thinking gary Trent jr scotty dhos have potential it's interesting you bring that up because the Gary Trent Jr. Scotty dribble handoff pairing was the fourth best in the NBA among high volume pairings last season. Pretty good. I know uh, a lot of people like Gary. I know a lot of people like Scotty. Gary was a guy who just he shoots the hell out of the ball. That's a very important skill to have. Scotty, it's easier to set a screen when you're doing a DHO. He did a pretty good job of clearing space for Gary, especially. 
I know Scotty, like after a possession, I just, like, I just watched all of his pick and roll possessions. Sometimes he just opts out of the pick and, the pick and roll and just like, will sprint over to Gary. Like, Kate, hey, let's trigger the action. Let's get something going. They have great chemistry there. Um, I don't know. You just call it the Gary Scotty DHO. Um, but it's, it's going to be a big part of their offense this year and, and should be. Um, I assume Gary will be saying like more of that, more of that, more of that, because a we're scoring B I'm scoring more points and I'm going to be a free agent or extension eligible or whatever, right? Like, these guys are trying to maximize both the team success and they're trying to maximize, you know, their earning potential, which is kind of why, you know, it gets odd sometimes. And selfishness, you know, somebody talked about selfishness being, uh, you know, a nebulous term. I think it's like selfishness is thrown around too much. I know it's like heavy and the quotes look like, oh my God, but they're just saying like, oh yeah, it was bad. It's going to be better. That's effectively what they're saying. There's nothing tangible being said when you say like, oh, we're, you said guys were selfish last year. And then they say, yeah. This, and, you know, Masai comes out and I believe it was S. Fandi Arberheni, good friend S, who asked about like, why, why won't it be selfish? Like, what do we know? And Masai just said, there will be no selfishness this year. I don't like maybe. And then Pascal comes out and you ask Pascal and he says, I don't know, it's too early to tell. Like that seems more honest to me. You can't just assure that there's going to be no selfishness. I mean, clearly the messaging is pointing one way, right? Like Nick Nurse leaves, Fred leaves, everyone says selfishness is gone. So there's like a clear, from the people who are saying this, there's like a clear, this is the problem and now it's over there. If that ends up being true, great. But if the team plays selfish again this year, like that's a big problem. And even if they, you can play unselfish basketball and still not be a great basketball team. Like you really can. Um, it's, it's, it's tough. A quick one from Amit. How long do, will Coloco be out? Did they give a timeline other than just training camp? I talked to Christian at summer league and he didn't expect to miss this. Um, so obviously there's like complications going on with his respiratory issues. And also when Darko was asked about Coloco specifically, he basically repeated the the news thing that media got emailed, which was that Coloco is dealing with respiratory issues and he won't be at training camp. And, you know, his timetable will be updated as it changes or or stays the same, whatever it ends up being. And so... I, I'm surprised by the Coloco news, honestly. Uh, he's been with the team. His workouts have obviously been different, but no timeline other than no training camp, which training camp isn't that long. But um, yeah, Scotty stat line prediction, 17 and a half points per game, six and a half assists, eight rebounds. And I think that will be awesome. Um, I know people want like 20 points per game. Hell yeah. If I get to watch Scotty, put up like 20 and eight this season, cover him, talk to him about like what's working there. That'd be awesome. I think it would be very fun. Basketball um, would be really, really happy. Um, my best guess of the role precious is going to have on this team. Really great question. Um, best case scenario. Do you think the Darko offense defense fits with his play based on what we've seen so far? Okay. So Darko, he's talking about wanting cuts. I know people think of precious, some of his decision-making on offense, 
is maybe not so good. Like when he gets the ball and he dribbles out and he's surveying and this becomes, you know, a pointless ISO or, you know, a missed shot. Like that's, those are warts on his game. That's not great. But as far as like actually making decisions of when to cut, what type of cut to make, Precious is a genius cutter. And since the first, like, I don't know, 40 games he played with the Raptors, he's really turned his finishing around. The touch shots are pretty good. He can dunk like everything. He's so malleable and explosive at the rim. He can get to a lot of different looks in there. Um, if they find spacing at all and Precious gets to work within it, he would have a really good role as like an off-ball guy. And he shot, I think it was 44% from the All-Star break to the end of the season in 2021-22 on his threes. Five attempts per 36 minutes. I think it was like 3.6 attempts per game. That's a lot of volume. If he can get the three-point shot going, it also opens up like the pump-and-go stuff, which was a huge reason for not only his success towards the end of the season and his success against Joel Embiid in that series, but the Raptors' success overall because he was so good defensively and offered so much you know, dynamism offensively. His best-case scenario was definitely as like a cutter in space and a guy who hits enough threes to draw closeouts. Uh, as far as like screening... He's so far behind. I've watched him put down a lot of screens. He's he's not good at like landing them. And um, his pacing on the roll is not typically very good. Like the classic big man stuff, you know, we talked about how Scotty is just like, boom, it's so easy for him. He figures it out really quickly. Precious, not so much. But the intuitive like pump and go, detonate on a guy, that kind of stuff has been awesome for him. So his best case scenario, obviously, I think it's going to be like a sixth, seventh man, you know, best case. You're not going to, usurp Jakob's role you're not going to jump Pascal OG or Scotty in the starting lineup nothing like that um do I think it fits in the offense yeah definitely if if things work well with Precious and that's a guy who it really sucks for Christian I like I have a good relationship with Christian that sucks and he's great and there's more minutes now for Precious who has been sporadic to try and stretch his legs and grow into a role off the bench. Because like, there's no telling if the Raptors get used to a conservative scheme that really values like an elite shot blocker at the rim. And also that Christian, you know, this will come out in the piece, but Christian Coloco was Scotty Barnes' highest volume screener in the pick and roll. And they actually had success. Like that's a huge win too. You have your second year guy and your first year guy running these like unique empty side pick and rolls that are getting you points and Christian's not going to be around. Like he, he was a guy who won minutes last year. And I know that's what precious did in this first year with the Raptors. Both these guys have like very different types of potential, but very high potential and they're competing for minutes. So maybe precious gets to assert more of his game and fit in, you know, at the start of the season, maybe, maybe Christian comes back in time. I'm not sure, but I do think Precious is like really, really interesting. Um, it's looking bad, brother. The team didn't even promote Media Day on their social media platforms. We had to watch via TikTok stream. Uh, did you watch the Toronto Star one? That's the one. Uh, that's the that's the one I I saw them recording. I did think it was odd that they didn't have like last year. That's how I went back and got my quotes that I needed. The Raptors put the Media Day stream on YouTube. It's not there this year. I, I've never, and they had the end of, you know, season media availability there. They had Darko's press conference available there. 
it is odd that it didn't like you couldn't easily just click on YouTube and watch even now just go back and watch it right like you have to wait for people to clip it and upload it manually if they even bother to instead of just having like the full three hours or whatever it's um disappointing i guess but i mean yeah um was scotty smiling a lot <laughs> david thorpe wants to know yeah man uh scotty he was he was cheesing scotty seemed happy and i know that means a lot to a lot of people um and scotty had the was auto there every like everybody was there um that's that's why like dennis ended up there but he had to do all of the like promo stuff. So like players at media day, yes, they talk to us, but the reason why they're in their jerseys when they talk to us is because they're also like walking around doing like a bunch of photo ops doing the, like if people remember what happened last year with the drama, when precious Achua and Malachi Flynn uh, got in trouble for their comments about international women's day, they recorded those answers like six months previous on media day and then they got brought out for international women's day which is like just months later and obviously it didn't come out well but that's what these guys are doing like a bunch of those little when you're at the arena and you see a pop-up on the the jumbotron and there's like scotty barnes is like yelling he's like let's go you know it's like that's that happens on media day or the pictures of them like dunking the ball all this kind of stuff like even during Masai and Darko when they were talking you could hear I don't know who the player was but they were doing a shoot and they were screaming you know maybe it didn't show up on the feed but that's like media day yes we get to talk to them but also there's like a whole conglomerate of um, photo shoots video content team content all that kind of stuff is being done so um, Scotty and OG looked huge we need to pound the rock hell yeah brother pound away I think um this team needs to be in the paint for sure. And the paint is going to be packed and plugged. They have to figure out ways to navigate it. But yeah, they, they got to be there. Um, does Scotty look taller? I'm seeing aggregators on Twitter saying he's 6'10", 6'11". I don't believe it. I think it was like Michael Grange uh, who said, even in Scotty's rookie year, he said he walked in on Scotty being measured and it was like 6'10", if I remember correctly. If not, my apologies to Michael and Scotty for the height stuff but um scotty i think is bigger than his listed height but i think that has been the case for basically the whole time he's in the league um it was scotty on his own twitch said he was 611 now i think if i'm if i'm keeping up with that correctly if scotty says he's 610 611 like whatever yeah he's a big guy but i didn't stand next to him today i was seated you know they walked up the left side of the room and then sat down and i was on the right side of the room He's a lot bigger than everyone else who walks with him, I'll say. But he doesn't look as tall as Jakob. Um, but yeah, I guess everyone, we can do the math while they stand next to guys this upcoming season. I guess we'll see. Yeah, I said he was 240 pounds as well. Um, that is something that Scotty is not, he does not get into the paint that often. You would think he does because of the isolations. But as far as like on pick and rolls and on drives, a lot of <laughs> am I 6'10 or 6'11? 6'10. Um, but Scotty, he stops short of the paint a lot of times. And it's because he's trying to make like an exterior to exterior pass. Um, he's also pretty good at making the exterior to interior pass. You know, I broke down every single pass he made in a piece last season. He's a wonderful passer in leading guys into layups. Um, 
I, I suspect he doesn't go in there sometimes because he wants to keep up the potential for a play to create a layup for somebody else. And he thinks like if he drives all the way in there, a plugged paint, it's going to be harder for him to make a pass to set somebody else up. He is a very unselfish player. Like whatever, you know, there's selfishness quotes going around, all that kind of stuff. And um, if you want to, if you were like the Scotty hater and you say he's selfish in how he works out or what he demands of other players or whatever, you could make anything up as far as, you know, uh, I guess like taking shots and not passing the ball. There's no way you can't spin it any way that Scotty's selfish. He's very unselfish. And I think sometimes to a fault, um, he, he does need to be more aggressive. Uh, I have lots of written stuff upcoming. Subscribe to RaptorsRepublic.com if you're interested. Um, I guess if there's new people, it's basically like reading an NBA scouts scouting report on Scotty Barnes. And you don't get to read those scouting reports, so you might as well read my work because there's nothing else as in-depth um, as far as analysis on Scotty. Now, a feature with some you know interesting, saucy little quotes, maybe that shows up uh, from other people, but as far as like analysis, um, you won't get more in-depth than Raptors Republic. So feel free to subscribe over there. Um, as far as, uh, yeah, is media day fine? Is everything fine? It was a weird, you know, I said this at the top, but it was a weird vibe. It was definitely, and keep in mind, I've been talking about this team. I've been analyzing this team, the on-court stuff for years. I'm sure a lot of people listening have been listening to the, you know, the reaction pods, the weekly pods for a long time. But as far as me being in person, covering the Raptors, going to games, talking to players all the time, um, this is only my second media day. And the Raptors media day last season, was very, very optimistic. Like Scotty was just the rookie of the year, leap incoming. Fred was seen as the guard who could set screens and play off of these guys and hit the shots after they create the stuff. Pascal just came off an all NBA season and was like, oh man, you know, I want to be a top five player, which that's his prerogative. I want to be a top five writer. I want to be a top five talker. Everybody wants to be the best. Good for him to say it. He, he wants to be a top five player. OG is ready to take a bit of a leap as well. Fred, unfortunately, I asked him about playing off of all these guys. And he's like, why is it? I can do anything. But, you know, everybody's taking the ball out of my hands, you know. Um, but it was like very optimistic. There was nobody grilling Masai about team building. Everybody was just like, Masai, what do you think about basketball on the international stage? Isn't it cool? You know, what do you think about Scotty? What do you think about these international prospects? Just kind of like talking about giants of Africa and stuff like that. Like everybody's just like, yeah, this is great. This is cool. And then, you know, and I'm part of the culprit for this season as far as like, Masai, what do you mean by that? Like, really, let's get down to brass tacks. What are you saying right now? And obviously some people wanted to push, you know, people were watching or like, push, grow him, you know, get his ass, that kind of stuff. But it's not real. It's sports. It's not like, I don't know, the president or something, or, you know, a, a politician, like a Ford or something like that. But I don't know. There's, it's tough to be on them nonstop. Uh, but as far as like what I've seen and experienced, like Media Day and other markets, uh, I know people were very impressed by the guy who was like, Hey, Nick Nurse, welcome. Is James Harden on the team? And Nick Nurse was like, I don't know. And then the guy was like, you didn't answer my question. Is, Nick, is, is James Harden on the team? Like you can press that hard if you'd like. And, and some markets, I think, 
obviously there are like there's a big umbrella corporation that owns like media the raptors blue jays all that kind of stuff everybody's well aware we see it and hear the conversations all the time but so maybe the raptors market is like a little less like that but you know people are like messiah what are you doing man like this team is you know it doesn't look like it's trending in a super positive direction um and if it, even if you have like a positive year some of those guys who make this positive could leave at the end you know like these are these are the questions you're supposed to ask and they were asked of them um yeah so this was not positive like last season but media day was positive the year was not positive maybe since media day wasn't positive the year will be very positive i don't know um when will we get the darko and samson film breakdown episode uh i expect i'll sit down with darko during the season uh i won't be at training camp because i'm not going to burnaby british columbia because i'm not a corporate fat cat with endless amounts of money to go travel around follow the team vegas was you know a stretch as it is i had great conversations with like coaching staff and scouts down there of course um some of the quotes will come out over the course of the season but yeah it'll it'll have to be during the season i'm almost certain of it um would you and caitlin call a live raptors and pacers game hell yeah would anyone pay us to do it i don't think so man i don't think that's something that happens um yeah, I think the the questions are mostly slowing down. I know there's like 50 some odd people in here. Oh, do I think Pascal's moved at the trade deadline? No. You know, Masai talked about this last year. He's talked about it quite often. He says, and I think the direct quote is he says, the trade deadline isn't a good place to make decisions for the future. And maybe that's just, that was convenient for him to say because of indecision or lack of motion at this past trade deadline, maybe. Um, I'm not, well, I guess he did get Jakob, but there was still, when he came to that presser afterwards, he still seemed like he was down at the trade deadline presser. Like he tried to make something else happen and it didn't. And he was saying like, Hey, it takes two, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, um, I don't think Pascal will be moved at the deadline. I think like either they get him extended, which I don't know. They said they needed to see him play well with Darko first, which to me, if, if you don't give Pascal the max, somebody else will. And they will do it without giving you an inch of value back. If you, if you want to trade Pascal, it makes sense to extend him anyway. Pascal's camp in the summer said, we will sign the four years 192. The team isn't offering it. That's why I like asked Masai the follow-up, like, hey, why aren't you at the table to get this extension done? This is an all-NBA player. He went back to, we need to see this play, this team play unselfishly. We need to see X and Y. To me, doesn't make sense as far as how the NBA operates. Um, you sign all NBA players. Why? Because all NBA players are worth whatever they sign for, and teams will trade for all NBA players. They will trade good packages, especially if they're not like disgruntled, all this kind of stuff. Like Bradley Beal was like, trade me. You know, Damian Lillard was like, trade me. James Harden is like, trade me. Pascal isn't even at that point. You know, he said like, oh, I won't sign an extension with, you know, a team that isn't the Raptors. Fine, but like, if you're trying to make sure that Pascal doesn't walk for nothing, they are not operating in the way that makes the most sense, in my estimation. So I don't think they'll trade Pascal at the deadline. I think that they'll... Seems like maybe get the extension done, even though they, there's no indications that they're working towards that. And especially since 
Masai is willing to openly say, we are not offering it until we see you play a certain way, which to me, I think is quite unique. Um, other teams don't do that with their all NBA players, but hey, who knows? And it, it would be, um, <laughs> um, won't the Raps still have an advantage because they can still offer a better max compared to other teams? They can, but the Raptors won't even offer the max currently. So the big thing here is um, Pascal, for any team that he is, if he gets traded, he can sign a four-year, $192 million contract with the team he gets traded to. If Pascal gets stays with the Raptors, he can sign a four-year, $192 million contract extension. If he, go, if he makes All-NBA this season and goes into free agency, I believe the Raptors can offer him five years, $290 million. That's what he would be eligible for. Now, if the takeaway is like, oh, Pascal is the ones halting these negotiations, he's trying to make that 290. This isn't the case. They indicated they would sign the four years 192. They said this isn't being offered. That's why I pressed Masai today. Is that being offered? Why isn't it being offered? It's not being offered. And why? Because he wants to see how Pascal works in, this is this is what the talking points are. He wants to see how Pascal works in Darko's offense, team concept, whatever. Um, the Raptors even, like, anybody can give Pascal the max extension this summer. But will the advantage the Raptors get is to pay him more. They're like, that's that's the point. The Raptors get to pay him more than the max. They can go higher than other teams. But the Raptors aren't even willing to meet the basement of the max right now. So that competitive advantage isn't really there if they're not willing to exercise it. So that's like the better max compared to other teams thing is like, if they're not willing to give Pascal four years, 192, why would they be like, okay, now we're going to give you like money, 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 money. And if he plays so well that it's like, oh, money, 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 then it's like, okay, you really screwed up by not signing him to this cheaper contract. All that, like to me, it's just, it doesn't make a lick of sense. Um, maybe they sign it tomorrow, but you have to on some level, People are saying words. Masai is saying, we don't offer him the extension. You are allowed as media and as a fan to say, okay, an extension is not being offered. This is the truth. You can, of course, say like, oh, well, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But words have to mean something. If, if Masai says, we're not offering it, then you should be able to say, okay, they're not offering it. If he signs it tomorrow, then it's like, oh, you were lying. Don't feel bad about taking Masai at his word. Because that would just be like, why? <laughs> you know, um, you have to be able to listen to these people and derive meaning from what they say. Um, you can read the tea leaves and some people are better at it than others. But the Pascal extension stuff right now is in a weird, weird spot, um, in my opinion. And I think that it is something that doesn't happen very often. Uh, otherwise, in the league, most people will quibble. In, in most cases, on restricted free agency, rookie extensions, stuff like that. That's where maybe it gets, a, but you're protected by restricted free agency, right? Like the, the Suns and Aiton had like this huge melodramatic like falling out and they still signed them because it was restricted. Pascal will not be restricted. There are no protections for playing this this way. That's kind of um, 
the that's the the deeper look at it, right? And as a guy who talked to Masai today, albeit in you know, press conferences are weird. They're like anti-human. It's like one guy stands there, you know, 25 people stand over here. You like get a mic and you direct everything towards them. It's like, it's, is it a conversation between me and Masai? I don't know. Not really. But yeah, I was happy with how he answered my question today because he was fairly definitive. That's what everybody wanted. But as far as like, did I like the answer? I was like, damn. You should be offering Pascal that money right now. Um, yeah. Okay. That feels like a decent place to end it. Um, yeah, it's like 40 minutes on Media Day. I hope people, if you watched Media Day, that you thought it was good. I hope that you enjoyed this little live stream. I will be doing a lot more live streaming from the Raptors Republic YouTube channel this upcoming season. There's like programming notes that will happen and um, there will be some changes and all that kind of stuff. So thanks for enjoying it. There'll be more of me uh, this year. Um, it, it's kind of funny. I've been like the Raptors. It went from William Liu to me. Like that was who did all of the podcasting. Well, I guess it went Zarrar, Blake, William Liu to me. And I've been doing like the bulk of the podcasting at Raptors Republic for years. And then I would come on like the wrap up, for example. And people were like, who the hell is this guy? And you know, it, it's so interesting because the the YouTube um, viewership, listenership, whatever is so completely different from like the podcast listenership. Um, because the, you know, the, the podcast is like our biggest listenership, like the more people listen on the podcast than they do on YouTube. But then you show up on YouTube. I'm like, people will know what I am. They listen to Raptors Republic stuff. And then they're like, who's this guy? You know, where's Oren? And I'm like, Oren's great. I hope, I hope I do good, you know, talking to you right now. So it's kind of funny. So if you're somebody who watches primarily on YouTube, and you're like, who the hell is this guy? Um, the credentialed uh, journalist covering the Raptors who specializes in analysis and X's and O's and stuff like that. Um, today, asking the hard questions. Uh, that feels like, a, I guess, a live stream. I have to get better at this. Thank you to everybody for asking questions. It's really great to be able to interact. That's not something I typically am able to do when I podcast especially like the reaction podcast stuff. So yeah, thanks to everybody for coming in. Y'all are great. Um, yeah, we'll see you. Bye-bye. <laughs>